0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now
1: at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
2: Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast
0: with Dan Wetzel. Just every kind of cat we can get on one boat. All of them. And then just yeah. drop
2: them off like Normandy. Beat them all. So the opportunity for high school kids to get scholarships this year, I'm estimating this just doing doing the math, could be down 40%. Wow. And S.I.'s Pat 40
1: We're fairly easy marks. You give us some people, you give us some access, you act decent. Guess what? We roll over and say, pet my belly. You know, I mean, we're we're not that difficult. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan.
0: Welcome to the pod. June 1st is when we are taping this, which is also the start, once again, of the live period for... College sports recruiting, particularly college football, which we deal a lot with here. It has been shut down since COVID. Coaches can fly around the country. Players can take visits. They can come to campus. All sorts of the normal stuff that happens according to the normal calendar of each sports recruiting, which is very complicated and seems somewhat unnecessary, but whatever. Uh, Recruiting's back, baby. and We love it. Except Pete throws out this little bucket of cold water on the whole thing. (laughs) Reality. No, this is actually quite fascinating. As you recall last year due to COVID being such a disruptor, the NCA got sensitive and felt that they should grant every college athlete a fifth year of eligibility or an extra year of eligibility due to uh, losing a season or having their season greatly altered. Now, that, there was a lot of push for that, but I always did wonder how exactly would this work when the bill comes due, and now we kind of have it. Uh, there's too many college football players, among other sports, because you can't just give everyone an extra year when you have a system that basically cycles everyone out in four years. The new guys trying to show up don't have spots. So Pete did a, a really good piece that should be on Yahoo Sports uh, by the time you hear this. Uh, about backlog. He uses Wake Forest as an example. Wake Forest has 94 scholarship players in 2021, and he has 16 guys that are probably being their last year of eligibility, which means you get down to 78. You normally have 85 scholarship thresholds, so do the numbers. Wake Forest might have seven spots. Uh, normally, you sign a 25-man recruiting class. This is the case all over. Some schools literally have no spots available for 2022 could take as many as three, four years to kind of wash through the system. And so the result is a, a significantly less significantly fewer number of kids have committed to colleges at this point. I think Woody Womack at rivals uh, said 75% less players are committed now than they would be at this point in time in a normal year. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of kids that aren't going to have just aren't going to get a shot who normally would have in the classes of 2022, 2023, or are going to be your seniors and juniors coming up next fall. Uh, Additionally, you have this transfer portal situation where some schools are trying to hold spots because why not get someone on the bounce from somewhere else who's 21 years old, and take a shot at an 18 year old. So all sorts of fewer opportunities are out there and you have this backlog of recruiting. Thought it was a
2: fascinating story, very interesting for our purposes. Pete, what did I miss? Well, I don't think you you necessarily missed anything, Dan. I, I really think my big takeaway like we had seen this happening. Jeff Scott had been very candid in December and a few other coaches have been candid with me about sort of the number crunch that was coming. What what I guess when I took my trip through the Carolinas that I that I realized is just how open the coaches were about hating this rule. Like that the extra year. Like they were just like, I think people had tiptoed around it because players had wanted it. Look, if you're a player, of course you want an extra year, right? The coaches really thought the thought it was stupid. Like they 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 were like, I guess the NSA did this. Dave Doran, I didn't put this in the story at one point, was just like, what doesn't the NSA pay for it if they want to do this? So, you know, Clausen made a joke about the NSA being Santa Claus. It, it it basically for three years is just gonna create this untenable log jam. And I, I thought Clausen put it in, in a really interesting way. So what's going to happen is the schools that are unethical are going to recruit a whole freshman class and then cut those kids loose if they have seniors who want to come back. And the people who are ethical, when these kids don't come back, they're going to be playing with 72 scholarships, potentially. Doran, uh, the the NC State coach, put it this way. He said, we either have to call the high school kid back that committed and say, we can't take you because Johnny's coming back, or we got to tell Johnny who's been here four years and been a great guy for us. We can't take you back because we signed Jimmy at the high school down the street. And this isn't anything we wanted as coaches. This was something the NCAA did to try to allow us to have a season, really. So I don't know. And and I thought that was an interesting point by Doran. It was like, well, if we're going to put everybody at risk the next four months, let's give them this as like a reward, which I'd never seen that ruling kind of framed in that light. But in, but in retrospect, it makes it, it makes some sense. Greg Shiano, the Rutgers coach, told me during this th- during this that basically he sees three years of logjam because the, the same thing you've got an extra class in there. So the same thing that's going to happen with this 22 class where you're going to feel the most extreme pinch inherently is going to happen in 23 and 24 and the, the last point that's even makes this all more fascinating and makes the math even more crooked is there are right now 1,534 scholarship players in the portal. Some schools aren't even going to recruit high school kids. So the opportunity for high school kids to get scholarships this year, I'm estimating this just doing doing the math, could be down 40%. Wow. I mean that that
1: is – significant and you know I I guess I just feel badly for everybody involved. I don't think that there's a bad guy in this. I don't think there's a bad decision per se. I think the NCAA's decision was grounded in fairness uh and in empathy to students who had their athletic careers completely thrown into tumult. Uh, I don't you know, I'm not opposed to giving them an extra year at all. But, yeah, it does have that effect on everybody going on down the uh, down the scale. And it's hard for coaches to balance that. I don't know what the right answer is other than for the NCAA to temporarily issue a three year or two year inflation of the scholarship cap from 85 to 95 for football or something like that. But you have to probably look and do that for other sports as well. So you are, again, uh, asking schools to spend some more money. Uh, are they going to want to do that? Probably not. I mean, I know there's a lot of schools that have already told the way they, they handled it with a lot of their seniors was basically, yeah, you can come back, but you might be coming back as a walk-on. Uh, and so some of them, that's that's another reason there's a lot of uh, fifth-year fifth or possible sixth-year people in the portal uh, because they're not going to get money to come back to their school. So uh it's a it's a bad numbers logjam, but and I I don't want to see it taken out on the younger athletes, but I don't want to see it taken out on the older athletes either. So I I you know, I think it's probably if the schools feel strongly like they are doing wrong by the players, ask the NCAA for a temporary expansion of scholarship limits. But I bet they won't do it. Has yeah, a lot of scholarships on every single sport. It becomes really
0: tricky. I, yeah, I I don't think it's just the law of unintended consequences. And again, I don't I don't know. Yeah, what do you do if if they hadn't offered that? How many kids would have redshirted last year? Yeah, I mean oh, you boy. had to get kids on the field, and you're sitting there saying, "All right, Big Ten, you get to play six football games in empty stadiums, and you get to play in November and December," and a kid says, "I'll redshirt and come back and play." 12 games in front of full crowds and a full campus and all the fun part of being college football player. Once you get past the NFL draft pick range, which is still a minuscule part of the sport, there, there wasn't a lot of incentive to play last year for most of these teams. Take a your run-of-the-mill team, like, let's say your Purdue football. It'd be a lot of fun to be a Purdue football player. Not so much last year, or it'd be less fun last year. So you know if your kid's saying i'm just i'm playing football i'm getting my degree i'm out of here why am i doing this especially when the season's going to be 6 games so they had to do something i don't know very very and that and without that money what what sport do you where's the funding you know everyone talks about the nca's got all this money they don't really uh they give it away first of all to schools schools yep. are the nca and most of the money coming in is cuz of football Right. So you had to have a football season. It, it, it's it's the it's the conference television contracts. You know, there's so much on the NCA billion. I oh know it's it, this is all football money funds this entire operation, all the scholarships. So very very tricky. Basically, like so many things in America, supply chain all around the world, the supply chain is just yeah. <laughs> screwed right? up. Yeah, I, mean, I saw something. They can't they can't get. Boats built for like three years. Like there's a three year backlog on building on make. I'm buying a new boat, right? Like you have boat dealers. This you know it's summertime now, and it's like even little boats. I normally got three hundred boats. I got six, right? Like everything, cars, everything is a you can't you can't get everything at a restaurant. Lumber chains, is a huge yeah. thing because of the
2: building boom. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So we've talked about the dramatic uh, danger of the chicken shortage and the, yes. the under <laughs> yes. underperforming roosters. I mean, that's, you know, there's real issues going on here. There's real issues. <laughs> the things affecting our listeners, right there. Yeah. So here's what's interesting to me. I mean, I feel bad for all the situation, but let's look at this. Pete, your estimate is forty percent. Let's say that's true. Yeah, that's completely like I so can what? barely do basic math. Let's take it, let's so, take it like, back back of the envelope. It's podcast yeah. math. it's fine. Yes, twenty five yes. kids a recruiting class. Forty percent less is ten. 10 players, and then and, and that doesn't even count in the schools that are saying, I'm going to save five spots for the transfer portal, All right? But let's just take that 10. There's 65 Power 5 schools in Notre Dame. That's 650 kids who normally would sign at a Power 5 school and or counting Notre Dame will get shifted down and sign at your group of five. Which and then there'll be the same number will be shift down and down and down to basically D three and you know all the way down. Very interesting opportunity for Power Five schools uh, or lower Power Five schools and Group of Five schools to grab some players they normally wouldn't get because if all of a sudden you know you know uh, Alabama probably uh, who knows let's say let's let's go with the thing let's say Alabama only signs fifteen kids in 2022. Well, hello. Where's those 10 going, yeah. right? Oh, right, well, they'll go to Mississippi. Well, where are their 10 going? Yep. And so fascinating dynamic that could change college football in a few years is that a whole bunch of really good players who would have signed higher sign lower. Now, do those kids end up going later after two years uh, in the transfer portal and go back up to an Alabama or go back up to the SEC instead of playing in the Sun Belt? Maybe. But it's also an opportunity for those group of five schools to say, make this your home and go, you know what? I'm happy here at Memphis. I'm happy here at at Cincinnati. I'm happy at Coastal Carolina. I don't necessarily go like this could have a significant impact. I'm not saying a national championship level, but boy, this could level a field.
2: That's a lot of talent that's, that goes down. See, I don't feel like it levels the field. I feel like it widens the gap because the kid who doesn't go to Notre Dame and ends up going to Northern Illinois, and and then he's all Mac for his first two seasons, I really feel like that kid, there's just going to be an increased normalcy that he jumps up. And it's going to be the onus on the mid-major coach to keep the kid happy, really, really happy, and keep him well-paid in name, image, and likeness and convince him that being a star in the Mac or a star in the AAC is more valuable to him than potentially going to a huge stage and splitting reps. So I do think it's going to change a lot of different dynamics, but I really feel like if you're at Ball State and you got a chance to go to Notre Dame after two years, it's going to be really hard to not go. Now, I say that. I was just at Ball State. They didn't have anybody transfer up, and they have, I think, 20 of 22 starters back, some 16 super seniors, and their quarterback, Drew Plitt, told me, look, we all love Coach New." Coach New is awesome. He's been there for us. He's guided us from a losing, losing program to a winning program. We wanted to come back and kind of run it back for him. When you think about Coastal Carolina, right? Nobody had more fun in college football last year than Coastal Carolina. There's mullets. There's, you know, they did it, the locker room celebrations with the WWE. They created an environment where guys weren't eager to depart from it. And that's why they have a ton of guys back, and they're going to be – uh, they should be ranked in the preseason and as relevant as ever. they will be what two touchdown favorites against Kansas in September, which is, which is hilarious. So I, I do feel like it's going to have an indelible impact on the landscape. The onus is going to be on the, the, the group of five coaches to corral and keep the talent. I will, I will say this when I did the, the piece on this in December, that sort of forecast that this was happening. I had a Mac coach tell me if a kid has an offer right now in 2022, that's committable. He has to take it. Now, it was somewhat telling and it portended where we are, but it was also completely self-serving because the Mac guys think they could get a 25% better player than they might not have got before. Whereas a lot of the guys who end up at Northern Illinois, Toledo, Bowling Green, those kids all have Mac offers, but they're waiting for Michigan State or Purdue or somebody like that to pop. And so there's this whole like game of chicken that happens. Whereas uh, I'll be curious if some mid-major schools get aggressive and fill up quicker because kids are going to want a scholarship. They're going to want a spot. And we are going to see just a bloodletting and kids getting let go before signing day and not having a chance. That is going to be what could potentially make change because that's going to get really, really ugly.
1: Yeah, that, that, that would be bad. And that you're right that that's the kind of thing where the players start getting exploited and, and people get sensitive to that, as they should. But see, I, I think the group of five coaches you said the onus is on them, I think they'll say, bring on the onus. We'd be happy to have <laughs> exactly. a three-star, four-star guy for two years and then maybe he stays because he likes Coach New or whoever our coach is or or likes it here and says, hey, I just I'll put in one more year and then I'm gonna go pro. Why, why go somewhere else? I mean, some of those guys will would move, no doubt about it. But I'm not I still think the numbers, like if you are again if you know if we want to use a max school or we want to use a a north texas uh, out of conference usa or louisiana lafayette or san diego state and you get 10 guys that are better than you're used to getting if you're running a program that's you know a good place to be you're probably going to keep most of those 10 you're not going to lose all 10 of them so i think they would lo- love to say yeah we'll take We'll take the trickle down and we'll ride with what we got. Even if you only have them for two years. Yeah. But it also will
0: apply to your lower part of your power conference. Yeah. So you mentioned Michigan State. They are rebuilding right now. Michigan State will be quite pleased if Michigan, Ohio State, and and Notre Dame take 30 less recruits. And Penn State, there's 40 more kids that they got a better shot at to rebuild with. And or, you know, or uh, I mean, once you get there, especially if you're a, a quarterback or something like, I don't know, they'll take it. I, I just it, This is a very interesting dynamic of how good players will get filtered down. So that's what I saw out of this. It's, it's an unfortunate situation. I don't know how it's avoidable, but it could have a real impact because, look, if, if one of the reasons college football is so top heavy and so predictable is because and it used to be worse. Like back in the Woody Woody Hayes and Bo Schembecker would have 175 guys on the roster. They take kids just so they didn't go anywhere else. Yep. And then they, they they had and so the Alabama has got starters at other schools sitting on the bench. And you have that much talent just stockpiled and 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 uh, centered in a few spots. If those back back end kids go somewhere else, chances of upsets Chances of closer games, chances are more competitive, better. So this isn't really a great thing, but it, it's going to be, inter- it may be, it may be very interesting for competitiveness because what I hear from fans is like, you know, one of the, I don't know that this will impact a national championship race, but people are dying for something to impact the national championship. It's just a, a little bit of a struggle to get excited about the 2021 season when we can probably pencil in three of the four playoff teams and the, and the two contenders are Georgia in Oklahoma, right? <laughs> or something like that. Like, and maybe Oregon, like Oregon was your dark horse. <laughs> <laughs> right. it's, it's, don't it's forget it's, our it's, friends it's, with the good tap water, Dan. <laughs> Iowa State. You know, we'll see. That would be it. That's pretty much all you've got. But you know, when you, that's not a fun way to do it. And then when you get in that playoff, you're, you you do not stand a chance. Like Notre, you know, what was the, the Notre Dame stat from last playoff game? They played Alabama. Alabama had 22 five-star recruits. Notre Dame had two one of whom didn't play and transfer it's since transferred it, it, when Notre Dame can't compete what what hope is there for the rest of us so I don't know this could be kind of interesting though because there's I don't you know int- I, I thought that part from Womack and I think you talked to the coach out de La Salle in California just less less offers off for go. kids and yeah, Bosco. Okay, all of that. Very interesting. Yeah.
2: Well, I'll I'll wrap it with this. You know, it's uh, you know, it's a problem when when Mac Brown says the high school kids are getting screwed. Mac Brown, who <laughs> is like the most affable man in the sport, who's you know made a living backslapping and recruiting, and he was as blunt as I've ever heard him about uh about an issue.
0: Mac usually has twenty three recruits by now.
2: Yeah. yeah right. He's the yes. king of
0: the
1: early recruiting.
0: North Carolina currently has four verbal commitments. Wow. That's, that's a sign of the times right there. Uh, you're looking at even the top here, Ohio State, LSU, Georgia, Notre Dame are the top four current recruiting classes. It's obviously all changed, but 12, 13, 12, and 13 recruits. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what it would have been, la- but I, I believe it would have been higher. But, yeah, these, all these numbers, Oklahoma's nine. And then you get into Alabama has six recruits right now. Yeah. Michigan seven, USC six, Oregon eight. I mean, these are places. Florida six, Clemson four. Yeah. I mean, these I are feel places- like sabin has been moving that way, right? Because he's been taking. You've watched Alabama be really low in the rankings, and then they all of a sudden, boom!
2: Late, they, they, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that, they, you're they right. can so get those has been guys. more deliberate than most. I mean, that's, Saban yeah, I, that Saban has.
0: Saban has because he's in on all the best players. But
2: yeah, Missouri
0: but,
1: has eight. Missouri can't be picking and choosing normally like no. that much. But, but that's you know again that's that's part and parcel of multiple things going on here though that's yeah. all that's part scholarship glut, but it's also part nobody's been on campus till literally right now wow. you know and like twelve o one a m Florida State's opening the doors and the recruits are coming in I mean like this is go time this month we're gonna see just an explosion of recruiting happenings and commitments and all that sort of thing but then to Pete's very prescient point. When it gets closer to signing time in December, where do we stand then? Who has the scholarships? How many kids are sticking with those commitments they may have made before they had ever set foot on a campus? I think we're just
2: going to head into a lot of churn when it's time to actually sign on the bottom line. And there's also schools that just aren't going to take a ton of kids. I think it was Western Kentucky said, I think Western Kentucky took like one high school kid or two high school kids in the last class. So... There's also those that they, they, they just don't think it's worth it, or they don't think that getting and developing high school kids allows you to compete immediately in your league. So you then take transfers who could allow you to compete immediately in your league. So the, the issue here that could change potentially is this the counter. So you get 25 scholarships a year. There's a complicated dance on how they count them. But basically, uh you can count them forward, you can count them back. There's there's ways to manipulate it. You can you can blue shirt and and all these things. But Basically, some coaches want if you lose a kid to the portal, you can take a kid from the portal, and then some coaches want 25 move to 30 or a total of 50 over two years, so you can catch up and sign a 33 guy, three man class, and then move move the other way. So I would be pretty surprised if we didn't move off the counter here in the next uh, in the next 18 months. But what we're gonna have is. We're going to have these horrible stories of kids in the portal who went in the portal. They were the backup running back at wherever and they have nowhere to go. And now they're working in a factory or they're working you know, at Foot Locker or they're at a community college when they should they, they should have had a spot to go to. Those stories are coming. They're coming fast and furious and they're going to be terrible. And the NCA seeing the numbers as they're going right now and not understanding the human stories that are going to be told behind it. But once once the NCA hears, like, I'm getting screwed because of your policies, they tend to change. R- remember, Pat, they did this in basketball. They capped scholarships 17 years ago, 18 years ago. It, it was eight. It was so he couldn't run kids off. So it was like yeah. classic NCA. Well, it was well-intended. Nobody wants the, any, anything that enables running kids off. But then they made the rule. And I remember uh, Barry Hinson was the coach at uh, Southwest Missouri. And he had a player die in a car accident. And the NCAA wouldn't allow him to, like, fill the scholarship. So it was just like – so eventually that cycled out and people found a different way. We are approaching that point here. It's just sad it's going to take some human toll and some cautionary tales for the NCAA, for the Football Oversight Committee to make some sort of change. Now, one of the things that's going to slow change here that's interesting is – the people least affected by this are going to be Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, USC, right? Because they're picking the recruits they want. They, there's just, it's just not going to be the same uh, for them. The the people that are just running from behind, like the South Florida's, your lower tier power five schools, the ones that are going to be impacted by this the most are going to have a really hard time catching up. But those aren't the ones who can have the have the have the stick to make rule changes.
0: All right, another subject that, is increasingly prevalent in college sports, and this wasn't a college sports story, but we thought we'd discuss it, is uh, the mental health of athletes and how they, they handle different things. Uh, we had over the weekend, uh, Naomi Osaka, the great tennis star, drop out of uh, the French Open, citing mental health concerns, uh, and part of her uh, point of contention was she didn't want to do media interviews, or really the press conferences, after each match, which is required of anyone who enters uh, these tennis tournaments. And as someone has written a Serena Williams bio is much appreciated. Uh, by bias because there's a record of every single interview they've ever done for years. <laughs> it's tr- <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> please <laughs> please don't get rid of these. This no, podcast um, is
2: just really an epic athletes infomercial. It oh, really what is. Know. Really <laughs> is Naomi, if not epic I, athletes then death to the BCS, which isn't like its fourth paperback reselling in Boise somewhere. So put it this way, they don't
0: do this in soccer and they're in they a damn quote from Lionel Messi anywhere in the world about anything. <laughs> <laughs> but Serena Williams, you got—I mean, hundreds of thousands of words. Fantastic. There you go. So the question is: uh, at the press conferences. We'll talk about press conferences. We're all traditional. We've all been to the press conferences. Too many of them. I don't think anyone likes press conferences, neither the press nor the athlete or the coach or anything. But it's what it is. There's—I don't know a better way. It, it seems more to be a a symptom of what naomi is dealing with and not the cause has anxiety and dep- she's battling depression she has all sorts of different mental health issues she's totally terrified of of talking to the per- the media after different things she so she was trying to streamline things only focus on positive things and make it through the french open and wanted to cut out the media thing um i mean if you she said as much the media usually treats her well i looked up some of her past this is the last major interview she did at a press conference the in the questions included uh, how do you prepare for clay to hit on clay you won the laureus award what dress did you wear in the picture that you posted uh (laughs) what does co-chairing the met gala entail you're a new face of louis vuitton uh do you find clay more taxing mentally or physically said earlier you can learn from losing how do you learn uh, you're probably going to meet Rihanna at the Met Gala. Your new line is designed by Mar- or Marcus Rashford is wearing your new line. I mean, this is not uh, Mike Wallace is
2: here for 60 Minutes.
1: <laughs>
0: this is what Pat
2: used to ask Bobby Petrino back at Blue yeah. Wheel, it's just a <laughs> yeah. transcript so, of that.
0: <laughs> I feel yeah. terrible that she is, and and obviously after a match you lose. I mean, I I, I totally get it. It, it. It's a it's a really weird thing because nobody else. Um, you see the guy, Joey, on Barstool Sports. Uh, he, yeah. he does like these fake interviews like after yeah. his He's date very or how to dinner at the Olive Garden go. Yeah, I thought yeah. the breadsticks were going to work out. But, you know, <laughs> was, like, I had one too many. Really bad decision there. I got like he, he does it on <laughs> everyday things. because None of this makes sense. You finish work and there's like a bunch of people want to talk to you how it went. Right? <laughs> so I don't know. I, I get it. It's terrifying. But she has. She has anxiety, clearly, and the press conference is something that, fre- but the press conference is not necessarily that bad. Sometimes they are bad, and we'll go over our favorite ones where it gets pretty, pretty tense. But I, I do think it's an interesting thing. Like, it's mental health is just not seen in the way, you know, I think everybody gets it. Everybody, virtually everybody, understands that this is an important thing. And just having these athletes fight through depression. We've seen all the tragic tales: ex-athletes, current, you know, as abusing drugs to get through this. I mean, it's just not any good. We deal with physical injuries, only on the mental. So we're dealing with mental, but it does change. Some things happen, like, oh, Osaka just drops out of the, uh, out of the French Open. You know, what does this represent to you, a uh, uh, Pat? As uh, you know, in, in, as maybe a moment of, of you know inflection point of how things are changing in sports
1: oh i think it's significant absolutely you know i mean we have seen over the last two or three years but especially in the last 15 months a a huge escalation in awareness and discussion and treatment of mental health issues for all people but athletes right there in that first tier and the age old athletic credo was just basically suck it up, whatever it was, suck it up and keep going. Uh, and that was basically a badge of honor and a badge of courage. You know, you never complained about anything. Uh, I don't know what exactly Naomi Osaka's situation is. She's a brilliant player and seems to have a great spirit about her. And I hope she, you know, absolutely is gets the treatment she needs to get. Um, you know, in her specific situation, I look at it and I say, all right, if the tennis tour wants to fine you for not talking to the press, take the fine. She can afford it. Take the fine and keep going. Don't try to make her if she doesn't want to. You know, Marshawn Lynch never talked to anybody, right? Lit- famously said he was only there to get to avoid being fined. Steve Carlton <laughs> in Major League Baseball never talked to anybody. You know, it's not like – and I th- there could be other tennis players that say, well, why does she get that and I don't? Okay, well, fine. Work that stuff out. You know, you had a very good column, Dan, I thought, where both sides can come a little bit more towards an understanding and kind of help get around situations that lead to one of the best players in the world dropping out of one of the biggest tournaments in the world. Mm-hmm. To a degree, there's been this sense, OK, yeah, we don't need the media anymore. I think and maybe this is a bit self-serving, but I think the fans still need the media. Maybe the athletes don't that much because they can put their message out on social media by themselves. The 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 old bromide that We are serving the media as the conduit for the player to the fans. I think it's almost as much the other way. We are the conduit for the fans to the players. The the fans want to know what the hell happened in that game, good or bad. Our job is to tell them what happened by talking to the participants and trying to ask them thoughtful, intelligent questions. But let's face it, as you alluded to by that one transcript, most of the questions these guys get aren't very tough. I mean, the vast, vast, vast majority. We've all been in all these press conferences, and you listen to them, and it is softball city. Uh, and you try to get a coach after a game, you try to get a football coach after a game that they have lost. You know, coach, on the you know the third down play, you'd look disorganized. What happened out there? I don't know. We'll have to look at the film. Okay. Coach, you know, your quarterback got hurt. What was the injury? Ah, that's, we don't talk about injuries. Coach, can we get the quarterback? No, he's off limits. You know, I mean, they they do plenty well enough deflecting what they want to deflect. And we sit there and for the most part take it because we don't have a lot of recourse. But I, I mean, the the huge percentage of media interactions with athletes are pretty benign. They're not like the famous and perhaps apocryphal, I think it was 92 or maybe 96 Olympic story. Greek water polo, one of the favorite teams they lose. And allegedly, supposedly, the first question for us from a Greek reporter to the coach, you are a disgrace to your country. Please respond. (laughs) We don't ask a lot of those, I promise.
0: (laughs) All right, so to recap, we feel bad for Naomi. Yes. But let's like (laughs) Yes, we do feel bad for Naomi. I feel feel legitimately. Yes. No, again, yeah. I, I think I, I honestly don't think it's the press conference. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, yeah, there's so many uh, softball interviews and they usually start with, you know, the the, the local radio guy gets a question. Or. Yeah. One of my favorites it was some controversial ending. I think it was a Patriots uh, Carolina game and Bill Belichick. If it was a controversial ending, he'll just go straight to the media room, to the press conference room before half the media can get down there. And then <laughs> they'll go, well, what happened in that that controversial? I haven't seen the tape. Yeah, right. I haven't seen it. And then he leaves and then you're right. It's like a two minute interview. The press conference is over and it's like, well, can you go watch it and come back? You're not <laughs> right. really helping us here. Um, yeah. I mean, so many, <laughs> so many. <laughs> I remember one of the Olympics where this. Uh, it was a China, all China final to the table tennis championship. And this, <laughs> this young guy won it in somewhat of an upset. I guess he was the number two best player in the world and beat the number one. It all goes back to table tennis, you know? Always so. <laughs> At the end of the, during the press conference, so I'm just there and uh, I'm not asking any questions of this. But you have the translator, so you listen to the headphones, and this uh, woman reporter stands up and goes, "Before the Olympics," uh, says this guy, he's like twenty. Says, "Before the Olympics, you said if you win gold, you will marry your girlfriend. Do you have something to tell us?" And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I like that question. <laughs> He's like, oh,
1: oh, oh. I, I don't know what
0: the Chinese were like. Yo, well, hey, hey, man. Uh, I was like, I know I, that that whatever he just mumbled out. That is international language for <laughs> 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 oh, <Yeah>. favorite favorite <laughs> Olympic press conferences. Oh, i get married right now, now. I just want the, yeah. the hero yeah. to a country of with eight million women. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Table tennis gold medalist, you take are a very a minute, eligible take a here to
0: exhale. We don't need to be getting married at twenty years yeah. old. So great. Um, I don't even know what that has to do with anything, but it was funny. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I wonder if what happened with Osaka and then how the media shifted during COVID. We remember 2020, 2021 being a pivot point for media athlete interaction. Now, the NBA, for example, like there's like this awkward locker room dynamic before the game where you're supposed to be able to talk to the players, which in the 70s, you know, Bob Ryan could go to Dave Cowens's locker and get something for his early notebook before the game. Some stuff has been around for a while, and I do think it ends up changing and evolving with uh, with, with COVID. Do you – you know, I've had SIDs ask me about like, do you think we should still have in-person availability after practice, or do you know is it better to is it better to do that kind of stuff on Zoom? Um, quite frankly, some places have found they just get much better attendance on Zoom. Like in cities, you can't have a TV camera over at fill in the blank practice every day, but you can you can pop on at five o'clock and at a point in time and get quotes from the coach and put them on the news, and uh, you know everybody everybody wins in a sense with uh, with that. In college, it'll be interesting to see if the press conferences go back in person after games this year. I assume they will be. There's no reason for them not to be, but it's probably easier logistically to to go on a Zoom. I mean, how many times have you been, Pat, like at a big game and they can't decide who goes first? And then it becomes this big staring contest between the two coaches of, oh, he's there, he's waiting, he's going, you know, and – you know, then there's maybe there's two separate press conferences. Whereas, like I've sat in some press boxes this year where I've got both windows up, and it's like, okay, this coach is talking. I've heard enough from him. I'm going to go there. Usually, like spreading around the or, arena. So there's a, an efficiency and a convenience to Zoom, but there's also like a real power and value to being in person and looking the coach oh. in the eye, especially if you have to ask a tough question, Huge. Um, which I would think. Uh, What would you say in college sports? What percentage of them are are difficult questions? 10 percent max. Yes. Yes. And it's usually like all the local media is looking at each other to see who's going to ask the tough question, you know, or it's just like the one beat writer for the local fill in the blank is the one they know is going to ask the hard question. And so it, it's it, yeah. I think we're really in the in the middle of a in the middle of a shift right now, and it's all going to look very different in uh, in the upcoming years.
0: The idea that there's no need for the media because you put something on Instagram—that's certainly another way to to connect with people. Hundred percent. If you don't think that, like the storylines, the personal understanding of players, the the again ninety percent, so much of sports media is positive. And, yeah. and what actually will happen if you cut access to players? In coaches it becomes more negative and I, I i know this from soccer the world of soccer the athletes do almost no uh interviews uh the great players and uh in european soccer at the tradition there is the media is almost like movie critics and it gets vicious In part and it it does it gets vicious are they, the, they meaner than pat is, they are <laughs> way meaner than pat you, know, no, you go what that go look at the london tabloids uh, a day after premiered. i mean they savage people and it was funny because they had uh juergen klinsmann was the us men's national team coach uh for uh the it was the world cup it was in brazil we were in and he got it he kept we, we we got extremely little access. The coaches get to determine how much access in, in the US soccer program you get with the athletes. And it's it's terrible. It's terrible with the women. Uh the women's team. I mean it was it, we barely we'd go days with no nobody could talk and I'd be like I just came from the NBA finals and LeBron James and Steph Curry were available twice a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I can't get a backup anybody for five minutes you can't even get her out for for you know because that's the culture is no you don't talk to anyone we'll do something after the match and that's it too much distractions yeah but what happens is there is a vacuum that has to be filled the fans are still interested so jurgen klinsman in, in in brazil gave us virtually no access it was terror and he bring out he had like a bunch of our team uh the u.s team was act was uh dual citizens from germany and he would always keep bringing those guys out. And they, none of them had ever lived in the United States. And they had, like, no, like, it was no, like, it was very hard to We want Fabian on. Johnson. We want to talk to Chris Longowski that's on the freaking roster that misses a sitter against Belgium and is on the roster instead of <laughs> Laney Donovan. Anyway, keep going. There, there, there you go. There you go. I know, 100%. Did he hire <laughs> Jeremy Pruitt or something, Sully? Jeez. We're like, that's not the guy we want to talk to. And the guy, and he couldn't connect anything you'd be like hey there were these huge crowds like you're trying to do stories like there were huge crowds in, in Grant Park in Chicago and, and 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 you know this field here and these big viewing parties and the guys like what the hell's Grant Park I don't you know like never heard of it. Chicago yeah. yeah you know like it, uh, it was it was awful but and Jurgen Klinsman kept going you guys are so polite the media the American media is so polite and respectful and all that and I'm like that's because we're used to being able to tell stories yeah. When that gets shut down, you turn into one of these Fox FS1 and ESPN shows. Yeah, right.
1: Right. Who
0: sucks. What? Yeah. Right. Because I the media, the fans want info. They want to read. They want to listen. They want. So you're much better off giving them something than going there. Because it's a movie critic, and you don't ever have to talk to that actor. You don't ever have to face them. You don't ever have to need them. You don't need anything from this actor. You can say this actor was awful in this movie. This movie sucks. Don't spend your money. You can savage them. You can do who they're dating, all the different stuff. I, that That's what will happen. And so I, will it go that far? No, but there is a balance there because people want something. So might as well give them something good. Like, uh, you know, this is how it went down. That's,
1: that's I've always said, like, We're not. We're kind of saps, you know. We're not. We're fairly easy marks. You give us some people. You give us some access. You act decent. Guess what? We roll (laughs) over and say, "Pet my belly." You know. I mean, we're (laughs) we're not that difficult here.
2: Uh, I agree, Dan. Are you saying that Jürgen Klinsmann in Germany is considered a disingenuous drifter? I don't. Yeah, that's what (laughs) I was sick of
0: Jürgen Klinsmann at the
2: end of that thing, man. I mean, I.
0: It's inside journalism, but it's like we're like my, my company's spending a fortune to have me here. I'm trying to help people in America are fired up for soccer. Right. We're trying to grow soccer. What do you guys what's your goal here? Yeah. You know, don't tell me that in three weeks, uh, you know, I can get someone on the phone yeah. via a visa sponsorship. No one wants to read it like right now. Same right. with the Women's World Cup. I mean, it's unbelievable. Women's U.S. national women's soccer team. Absolute kick ass operation. Incredible stories amongst these women, and you couldn't, you could barely ever tell them. Like, it just is such. And then, you know what? You know what breaks through because there's so little access to where you say, well, you know what? I want to tell the story of Crystal Dunn and how Crystal Dunn switched positions from forward to be one of these great defensive players and shuts down France and helps win this World Cup. But I can't get more than 35 seconds with Crystal Dunn. So, you know what breaks through? Is Megan Rapinoe making one line about Donald Trump? Yeah. Because that, right? And then everyone goes, all they're talking about is politics. And then the (laughs) team's all mad. And they're they're actually the only reason that, because no one's talking about anything. Right. (laughs) It's like, like that, yes, that will break through. But it's like, you can't, where's, you know, where are these incredible players that we'd like to chat with? And what is it like? What's this? What's going on? And there's nothing. And then you go, you know, why are we here? So why is my company spending money to send me to France for a month if I'm going days without? And that's again, this is extreme stuff, but that's what happened in soccer. They don't talk. You do not hear a Lionel Messi sitting down for anything. And those that if you if you're the columnist, you're the talk radio host in Barcelona, Spain. And, you, you know, guess who you're talking about every day? Yeah,
2: Messi. Yeah. So let's pull this back to to college sports because our friends in Guntown probably don't uh, <laughs> don't care much about the uh, the U.S. women's soccer probably team. not. Probably so, not. So yeah. so we entered name, image, and likeness. Is that going to change the availability of college athletes to the media? So say. Uh, I'm just trying to think of like Quinn Ewers is the uh, new Ohio State freshman de jour, who's the, the bell of the ball in the 2022 class. He's a quarterback from Dallas who flipped from, uh, fr- from Texas to Ohio State. So say he organizes a deal with Columbus Ford, right? And in this first August that he's there is going to do a signing there. And that people at Columbus Ford wants to bang for their buck. So they invite the Columbus dispatch in cleveland.com and all the different people to like, is Ohio state going to be comfortable with that? Uh, these kids are going to have agents. The agent's job is going to be promote the players. The media is still needed in some way, shape or form to promote the players. It could be via a podcast or a radio spot. It could be via a print story. It could be via a digital story. There's, their media is just been chopped up chopped up chopped up and it's keep being chopped up but it's still necessary the just the the lone self promotion of your social media is not enough especially for someone who's 18 19 20 21 22 very, very rare there's a zion or two out there that that has come through but for the most part it's that so these control freak coaches you know a lot of them famously won't let freshmen talk to the media right Does that stuff have to change and evolve? And when's the first coach who goes apoplectic because the kid talks about the quarterback race at you know fill in the blank Ford at Athens Ford and it starts a controversy? Like I could just see the the old guard having a struggle to this very natural evolution. Good point, and uh, yeah, I can like foresee. Like Alabama is one of those
1: places where you don't talk to the freshmen, right? So you know, whoever is the big five-star guy comes in and gets $10,000 to do three autograph signings at Baumhauer's. Well, that's a con- That's a deal outside of the university. Can the media go show up or is, is Josh Maxson, they're very good SID, but is he coming in there saying, no, you can't talk to him. He's a freshman. To which I would say, this is not an Alabama deal. This is outside of your purview. But who wins that battle i mean they, they you're right that there's going to be a lot a, another layer of tension there about controlling the uh, the message in the media you don't see a whole
0: lot of new england patriots talking about anything even even when they're somewhere else but also interesting for but college but they do football. their charity events they do but they'll they'll still be boring, right? Cuz they, they just don't <laughs> want the ass kicking. They don't want their ass kicking. Charity good, um, controversy bad. No, but like at the Super Bowl, right? They hire these companies hire athletes to go to media radio oh, yeah? row, right? And cuz they're trying they're like, "Okay, this is the time when you might want to talk to this guy." And uh they'll they'll do a whole tour. I don't know. Uh pretty interesting. I don't know, we'll see where this is headed, but uh it's okay. If you're as good as Naomi Osaka and you have a couple million Instagram followers, you probably don't need the media as much. But uh, it's these the the, the the tournament directors and all them are something has to drive ratings and storylines, drive ratings and, and, and all that. So, all right, we're going to finish up here. Uh uh, Sully would prefer to do a a rant about how the NCAA baseball committee screwed Tennessee, a <laughs> group of death. We just got that off air. Pretty good one. Pretty good rant. It it, it is it's a good rant, but we're gonna skip it because we'll see. I have faith in the Vols. I don't know. I would want I, you know, want the toughest competition, given uh, their Sully. history of yeah. of
1: recent postseason brilliance in. Um, uh, uh, e, um. Okay, no, we're, <laughs> I, I'm not too confident about the Bulls. Didn't they beat Indiana in, in a bowl? Oh, they did beat Indiana in a bowl. Beat Indiana right. in a bowl. That's, That's right. right. That was uh, nice. Let me put it this way: there was a
0: long lament about how they might have to face right state. Okay, so right. deep in the weeds. And any yeah, deep in the weeds. Anyway, this is this. Speaking of weeds, this is bad. This is bad. We're talking. Uh, we have not lost track of the animal uprisings around the world and how our dominance do. in this. We also have the UFO situation where they seem to be coming oh. from all directions now from yeah. us. But but do not. It's like a two front war. We don't know what the UFOs are doing. <laughs> we do know what these guys are doing. South Australia. South Australia is dealing with a mice problem.
1: Okay. A mouse.
0: A mice in the terms of millions of mice. Millions, millions. This is New York Times, Tottenham, Australia. The stench hits you first, (laughs) pungent, musty and rotting. Then you hear them. A sound like ocean waves or pouring rain hitting concrete and the occasional squeak. The horror lurking in the darkness, a throng of thousands of mice swarming above, around and inside a storage bunker of wheat on the Frager family farm, seven hours west of Sydney, Australia. Okay, so is what happened? There are like tens of of—I have no idea how to count, but tens of (laughs) millions of extra mice. Americans would pretend we could count this up.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, we'd have a number. We'd have a concrete number. Eight point two million extra <laughs> mice. Okay, so there was a long drought,
0: and they have mice problem. This is not totally new. They had a long drought, and then bump huge, and that kind of got rid of some of the predators of the mice. And then they had a huge wet, like pouring rain, everything that grew the crops big, and the mice could just boom. So these these farms are just getting decimated by mice and literally people are uh it's not just out in the fields they come in the house uh in addition to devouring cri- they they've bitten people in their beds dropped out of air conditioning uh. units gnawed through appliances they've eaten the toes off chickens in their pens no uh. whole uh. towns have lost phone reception a house burned down <laughs> Wait a minute. How did the mice burn down a house? I don't know, but it's, it's the New York Times. Must be true. Uh, it, it, it's the worst mouse plague in living memory. Uh, okay. mice have uh, Residents burn dead mice in backyard crematoriums. Storekeepers set traps and drown the mice they catch. Hospital workers place diffusers in waiting rooms and largely fruitless attempt to mask the stench of the rotting ro- They just They swarm everything because they're looking for food. They're eating each other. <laughs> the mice can have six to ten offspring every three weeks. Oh, dear. So, <laughs> we've learned a lot about, like, COVID taught us a lot about, like, exponential math. Yeah. Um, this is on NPR. The dead mice become daily part routine. They make it into people's homes, people's beds, biting them while they sleep. People have to sleep in their cars. They're throwing out furniture. Schools and hospitals. This is unbelievable. And then the worst part is some of the mice are jumping on buses and trucks and heading to cities <laughs> far off. Country mouse becomes city mouse. Pat, I mean, these photos. It's like 100 dead mice in this guy's living room. Uh,
1: uh, what are bad. we going to
0: do, Pat
1: Forty, what are we going to do? Do we have a plan? Damn, Australia's so- a long way away, but that's this is too close for me. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. If they're jumping on cars and trucks, they can then jump on airplanes and boats. They're leaving Australia. They're coming for all the other continents. So it is a it is a five alarm situation. There's no doubt about that. And then, quite frankly, this my it's a good thing. My wife doesn't listen to the podcast because she'd have a nervous breakdown over this story. She is very mice phobic. So uh, I'm glad she's a non listener. But now there's there's look, we can figure this out, right? If we could handle the battle rats, remember we need, our, we need our rat expert guy to come on and talk to us. He, he, he handled the battle rats uh, back during the pandemic. Uh, he, he, can, he can help us out here. We just need what we need. We need a cat army. You know, you, you fight <laughs> one army with another, so we need an enlistment situation, a draft, draft cats, <laughs> get all the cats, put them on a transport, send them in to invade Australia. Divide them up into divisions and corps and battalions and all that, you know, platoons. Send them out. Cats like versus a, mice, like a Noah's Ark of cats. Yeah,
0: yeah. Just every kind of cat we can get on one boat, all of them, and then just yeah. drop them off like Normandy.
1: There you, yes, just, exactly. There you go. Exactly. Parachute them in if need be. That's fine. They land. Cats always land on their feet,
2: so you drop them out of a plane with a little parachute. Oh, good point. They're fine. Good point. <laughs> They're fine. I've heard worse plans, Pete. What do you think? Well, there's uh. What about the nutria chefs? Is that what that, that rodent was called in Louisiana? <laughs> yeah, the nutria, yeah. the, the the particularly gross big rodent. Well, I would think those who eat nutria would just see this is like like old country buffet for rodents, right? So can't we try to galvanize America's appetite for nutria? Bring in a whole new breed of rat, cook them up, and eliminate the problem. Oh God! Not much meat on a little mouse, though. You know, I mean, Ooh, it's like like mouse in a blanket. <laughs>
1: mouse in a blanket. But you're obviously not looking at these pictures. This is no, right not it. looking at the pictures. I don't want to see it. A bunch oh. of hundred dead mice? You kidding me? I'm with Trisha. No thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if, like, every morning
0: you had to round up, try to kill as many mice as possible, and have a mouse crematorium in the back.
1: <laughs> that would suck. That would suck. I that's mean, the f-
0: farmers are losing their, like, income because the, the yeah. wheat could be a bump in wheat prices, which I think, is the least. Maybe they're trying to starve us out. I don't I know. I still want
1: to know how they burned down the house. I mean, that's some crafty mouse work right that's there. Probably a wire. Got, yeah. They've cut through everything.
0: Yeah.
2: We, we do not underestimate the organized animals, Pat. If there's one thing listeners no. to this podcast know, we have a healthy oh, yeah. respect for an organized animal rebellion. No doubt. They, no doubt. <laughs>
0: According to Reuters, they invaded a supermarket, mm. went crazy in there, as you can imagine. Oh yeah, Man, it's like supermarket sweep for rats. This is just <laughs> disgusting. Rats, rats are gross. Yeah. Mice, like if a little mouse is around, I'm not really normally not worried at all, right? It's a mouse. You want to get rid of it, but it's a mouse. But you. 10 million
1: mice? <laughs> now, <laughs> yeah, now that's yeah. That's where the sheer numbers like, become a man, bit daunting. A little daunting.
0: farm mouse is really not going to get you. But, man, you talk about strength in numbers now. Yeah. It's disgusting. <laughs> They're eating each other. Right. Anyway, positive story there. So you think you're having a bad day. Yeah. Unless you're a mouse. In
1: South Australia. Yeah. yeah,
0: unless you had a mouse crematorium today, <laughs> you're not having that bad of a day. All right, We'll be back later this week with more. I'll give you keep you updated on this. Yes, we're we with will. You. We wanna We want to send our thoughts to the uh, our Australian brothers and sisters out there. Sometimes they send us a punter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, we're Least sending we them do.
0: cats. Least
1: they we send us punters. Get the
2: cats together. Fair the trade. Cat army. Pat forties. Cat army. What, what the next pod? We can say what college football coach would lead the cat army? Wh- who? Yeah, would we Well, let's just do it right yeah. now. Do you have to have a? Do you need like someone who's coaching
0: the tiger, like Clemson Tigers? That's a cat, right?
2: It's Bo Pelini. He he lifted up that
0: cat at the spring game that one time. That was hysterical.
2: Oh yeah. I forgot oh, about Bo, Bo Pelini, Pelini has the cats. Yeah. Coach O would definitely He couldn't do any think, worse with the mice than he did with LSU's defense last year too. So and he's like on contract for two more years. So the people in Australia could get him for a bargain basement price. I think this is a Coach O job actually. I know, you know,
0: I know William Christopher Sweeney is a better coach, but I think this is a co- we're coming. <laughs> I mean, you got to get down and dirty and get a, exterminate all the mice in
2: South Australia. If we're going to send our best, I think it's Coach O. I think you send Leech. He's like a big World War II buff, kind of battle yeah. guy. I think you need to outflank the mice. I, I really think you got to outsmart him. I don't. I don't think you can just go in with the bull force that Coach O would go in with. Mm, interesting. Uh, all right, well, we'll we're,
0: we'll keep on this. We'll keep on this. See you guys later in the week.